With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Why Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Why Whales, wherever in the world you are today. Uh, today is episode 19 of the Why Web 3 Navigating Frontier Tech series. Uh, so today we're going to take a journey uh, going through the current crypto landscape, exploring some pressing needs for legislative action uh, in response to the evolving risks of the digital asset realm. Uh, we'll also dive into the dynamics of a Canadian fintech investments uh, and the latest, latest developments in the ETF space, as, long, as well as Hawaii's strategic pivot uh, into crypto regulations. Uh, there's a lot of AI-generated uh, fear and FUD uh, storming through through the interwebs. Um, and we've got a big announcement with someone here in person, uh, with Corey with ENS. So we're going to talk about that here, most importantly, uh, right off the bat. Uh, today is February 8th, uh, 2024. Uh, Bitcoin, I just hit 45K, which is a, a huge win. Um, and uh, the NASDAQ is still sitting at about a 15,700. Um, let's just kind of jump right into our guests, uh, Corey and, and Anaris. Uh, Corey, Give it, give us the quick background and everything you're uh, working on today. Sure, Jay. Good to good to see you again. Thanks for for having me here, Corey Whitaker, the executive director at ENS Labs, and we run the Ethereum name service. Prior to ENS, I was with Circle uh, USDC, and prior to that, I ran a network of schools here in the United States uh, for 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 quite some time. Fabulous. Education is the number one most critical need we have, not just traditionally, but in Web3 as well. So we're, we're thrilled to have that, uh, that, that knowledge over here. Anaris, I know you're bored and you have nothing to do. No, no. Awesome to be here, Jay. Thank you. So I run a company called Cube3AI. We do security. So we secure the blockchain. We secure projects that are deploying on chain with, um, some, I'd like to say quite advanced, uh, AI methods uh, and products. Fabulous. So let's dive right into the news. And I think, you know, I, I think, number one, I don't think there's a lot of really amazing things going on. Um, but but one of those is, is this need to be able to kind of intermix, you know, Web 2 and Web 3. They're entirely different protocols. Uh, you know, I look at, at Web 3 as just a big of an involvement as Web 1. You know, Web 2 was kind of like, hey, we're going to take the infrastructure and kind of change it around a little bit. Web 3 is, is almost a rewrite. It's it's a little bit of starting over in some capacities. And we have a problem that Web 2 and Web 3 really don't see each other well um, because of that large delta. Uh, Corey, you, you've worked on this for, for quite a minute now. Um, ENS has, has really been focusing on kind of, you know, identity and not just kind of the hashes. Because if we go way back, um, I think a few of us on this call are old enough to remember, like, I used to know... Web, web pages um, based on either A, the phone number that you had mm -hmm. to dial in to get to the modem, That's or B, right. the IP address uh, that you would, we would type in. And you had, I, I can remember having you know, either sticky notes or a book next to my computer that I would type these things in, and that's how you would get to web pages. Um, and then they realized that this is a horrible idea and, and phonetically was a better, better, uh, you know, option. And so the dot coms and everything rolled in. Um, but, but that's still very a nuanced thing in web three. So, uh, run us through, I guess I'm, I don't need to read the summary. You, you, yeah, yeah. you built this. 
Yeah, sure. So yeah, you maybe just reflect on the days of the BBS and dialing into the bulletin board systems there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as you just mentioned, Web3 is definitely an evolution. It's not just a step up, it's an evolution from, from Web2. And what has been happening the last several years, 10, 15 years, is you have all the scientists that are, are playing around in Web2 and creating gadgets and gizmos that delight them and that are, it, and that are interested to them. So it's created this sort of niche um, where, where people are playing and they're isolated from the rest of the Web2 world where the rest of the world is actually interacting. Um, so from the onset, from the onset, ENS has been interested in bridging the gap and um, really making sure that Web3 and the new internet is accessible to the rest of the world who currently is still on Web2. What we're able to do is come up with a way for all of DNS users. And these are people that use your typical TLDs, your top level domains, .coms, .net, .org. Um, and we're now able to upgrade, right? So to upgrade those domains, give them ENS capabilities so that you can then use it on the blockchain. Um, so what this does is just opens the world in a simple way um, to, to Web3 functionality. And we're, we're just so excited about the partnership with GoDaddy, one of the biggest registrars that are out there, being able to upgrade, supercharge the domains, and really open the floodgates to people beginning to participate in Web3. So very big news here. I love that. I love that. So I got a couple of questions while we've got you, and, and then we've got tons of other news. But so, so number one, is it, is it a, a technology, because uh, th there's a lot of infrastructure I'm sure you had to do to bridge these two. Um, you know, natively it's, you know, they don't, they don't resolve this way. Is it technology that will roll out to other registers or is it, is it something that you have to, you're specially doing with GoDaddy? Like, is it happening at the DNS level or is it happening with, with some backend servers for you guys to, to interconnect these? Yes. So what, what's happening is um, there is an, an upgrade on the DNS servers that's available okay. now to everyone. Okay. <clears throat> right. So everyone, if you're good with your, your DNS, you're able to go in and tinker and upgrade your traditional D DNS right now. But okay. the vast majority of us don't have the technical capability to be able to do that. So the, the interface in GoDaddy is just simple. It's elegant. It's a couple clicks to okay. upgrade the domain. Okay. So, so it is, so it's, it's infrastructure. You just have kind of created the WYSIWYG, um, you know, yes. ease for people to, to be able to do this, but anyone that hosts their own somewhere else or, uh, ha, you know, hosts their own DNS servers, which lots of people do. Google does a lot for others. Um, it will roll to others. So there's no proprietary thing. It's just a part. That's, that's right. And I, and I fully um, expect other registrars to be able to give this capability as well. I better. love that. I, no, no, it's <laughs> yeah. fabulous. So, so Anaris, you know, jumping over to you, cause you know, now you've got the problem that you're working on the security side of all this. Um, you know, web, web, web three is, is hard enough right now. Um, web two has a gazillion security flaws and everything else. You know, how does this in your brain, what is starting to click of, of things that you're going to need to manage to, to continue to keep everyone safe? Well, it's another bridge for the old world cross into this new world, right? And we, we need them. We really, really need them. But I think what will happen is as the old world comes into blockchain, people will get even more serious about security, compliance, and all the rest of it. Um, we're, we're very much in the wild, wild west here in, in blockchain. Some corners, of, uh, at least. 
Uh, so I, I, I really like, I saw this announcement, you know, even before I knew I was going to be on this cold quarry. It was super cool. Super cool. So, so Corey, what, what's the biggest, like to, uh, you know, to anyone that's listening that goes, you know, I, 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 I see the capabilities. Um, I understand the concepts. Give us, give us like those two or three like use cases that, that should be right off the bat, be huge wins that you guys have already kind of identified. Yeah. So the, the most, the simplest one is to be able to use an identity that, that you choose. So heretofore, it's been .eth, right? J.eth, yep. Anaris.eth, okay. Corey, Corey.eth. Um, but if we're thinking about giving people the opportunity to uh, claim an identity to use, maybe people don't want to use .eth as their I- identity. You know, you got Kim.com out there. Maybe that's his particular identity. Um, yeah. Identity Digital, a registrar that has a ton of these customized I- identities. Um, one of them is .pro, right? So let's say you want to use J.pro as your sure. as your identity. Supercharge it, give it, this, give it ENS capability, and now you can use it on web free applications, um, sending value currency back and forth, send Bitcoin to it, Ethereum, Ripple, you, okay. you name it. Um, log in to um, DApps with your J.pro. Um, but yeah, same well, functionalities as your as your .eth. Now you can pick any one of these TLDs that you want to use as your main identity, and it stays with you. It's yours. That, yeah, that's that is that is huge, and that is amazing. So you, so basically, you can connect this and and you know have all the plumbing. So yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna definitely play because I guess we were talking about before the call. I own you know 350 plus domains, um, and so you know the the .eth. Um, it, it's, it's very confusing for most people because, you know, they, they do the first thing they try to type it in. Um, and so we'll, we'll always be .eth at heart. Uh, yes. I love the fact that, that you have truly bridged, uh, you know, web two and web three. So that's a, that's fabulous. Appreciate that. Um, and, and I'm sure there's quite a bit more to come. So let's, we're going to jump back and, and, uh, dive into some things. We'll, we'll come back through this. So, you know, right off the bat, uh, is, is it's been a minute since I've talked to the two of you guys. Uh, the ETFs have gotten approved and there's been a, a tone change. It's been about a month, I think. Uh, so we're really only about four weeks since, since the approval. Today is the, the eighth. So yeah, it's about, about four weeks. Um, didn't have that kind of boom cycle that we all thought it went up and then it came back down. But I think most importantly, it's now doing the crab walk sideways. So in, in what I would say is not a great economy. Um, it's a challenging economy to say the least. Um, we're seeing, you know, Bitcoin really hold steady. But we're seeing a flow out uh, from the traditional, you know, kind of uh, crypto, you know, Bitcoin people um, in, into uh, the Black Rocks and the Fidelities and everyone else. So it's it's kind of just been a transition of, of holdings. Um, and, and, you know, let's be clear that we've seen Grayscale hold for a long, long, long time. Um, so they're getting to realize a lot of a lot of their asset sales and, and provide some liquidity there. We also saw FTX dumping their bags uh, to provide you know liquidity to to, to the the people that were hurt in, in Bankman's fraud. Um, but it, it's kind of been an overlying issue, which is how do you manage these things? Um, to me, the ETFs do nothing more than provide safe security. In, in custody. Um, they don't do anything else. There's no use case for it. There's no, like, you're not using these things. You're not using the Bitcoin network. It, it just allows institutions to have that, that regulatory basically approval to say, I can own this. It's held, it's insured, and I don't have to think about it or worry about losing it. Um, now we have uh, uh, Janet Yellen, who it qu- has always said she doesn't understand it. She thinks they're scams. Now coming out saying she's in favor uh, of regulation, which is what I think we all want to see. Uh, you know, Europe has has my car, which is 
you know, very clear and easy to work with. And Eris, you and I have talked about that at length. Uh, and we even had Obama come out and saying, you know, this is, this is like the, the future. Um, so, so Bitcoin's now popular again, uh, amongst politicians. Uh, and Eris, I'll start with you. What's your, what's your thoughts when you see this? Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you sort of an example from my life. Uh, we, Observe at Cube3A, we observe pretty much everything that's taking place on chain. So we see the fraudsters, the criminals, the hackers, both crypto native uh, criminals as well as real world criminals that are using blockchain. And and we see a lot of them transact on chain, unfortunately. Uh, one project that shall not be named, but it's it's a pretty big one, and it's consistent. Uh, we reached out to them and we said, look, like you've got a bunch of sanctioned folks using your protocols. You've got a bunch of regular crypto hackers using your protocols, transacting. You know, what's up? You know, can we help you here? And the response, which is more often than not, is, well, what do you want us to do about it? And so, you know, and I'm kind of old school in that sense. Like if, if, if there are criminals, they're criminals. Um, and if they're using your, your company, uh, in this case, it's a company to move money around, it's a problem. So I welcome regulations, smart regulation, of course. <laughs> um, we need this because it's, it's, it's just, uh, we're shooting ourselves in the foot without it. It's coming. Question is in what shape or form? And I completely agree. It's, you know, regulation, I think most people think of, of bad things. Um, regulation is, is consumer protection. Like you, you don't want, uh, you know, unregulated assets are, you know, are, are, are dangerous. You don't know. They can be rug pulls. You, 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 it's gambling more than it is uh, investing. And so I think that we do want less of the spikes and up and downs and the rug pulls. And, and you know, that will also mean that, you know, there's not going to be the, the thousand X gains in, in a 24 hour period because you have you know, proper guardrails in place to keep it happening. But, you know, we need to, to have that delta in between investing and gambling, um, you know, really be pushed quite further apart. And, and that's part of the way that, that I think regulation will fit. You know, Corey, you spend a lot of time uh, on, on this as well, because you're very much in this domain and you, you see this happening and, um, you know, people buy and sell and trade uh, yeah. .eth and, and other domains. And so you want to make sure that you're also not being, you know, they're not using the .eth things as, as uh, that's right. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, OFAC, uh, you know, uh, non-compliant assets. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we, we get a lot of, have a lot of conversations with the authorities on, on these matters. Um, and, and so something, something has to be done. Now, what's telling for me is how money is talking. So now that tons of funds are flowing into the institutions who beforehand were, you know, anti-crypto, anti-Web3, et cetera. Now the ETFs are set up. We see where the winds are blowing. And so now you have strong calls for regulation and for Congress to do something now that the money has shifted, right? So it's, it's clear the influence is pushing the process in this direction, which of course we, um, we do welcome. Um, happy to hear that they want to have just a clear stable coin, uh, legislation. Let's, let's get that done because yep. it, the new internet, most of us are going to interact with USDC, USDT and some of the other stables. Most people in the world are going to use those cryptos to exchange value much more quickly. Um, So let's get that right. And that will start to help um, uh, the continued adoption of, of this. And, and I think that, you know, when you talk about stable coins, and number one, you, you did mention you used to be with Circle and we've, we've had you on back when you were there. Um, 
stablecoins dynamically changed Web3 mm-hmm. um, because suddenly you had the ability to go in and out of cryptocurrencies without having to go all the way back to fiat. So that, that right. allowed the capital to stay inside the asset class. Um, and, and USDC and USDT couldn't be more different philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, USDC, you, you essentially have an, R, you know, a, an IOU for, uh, you know, for a single U.S. dollar. And, and, I, and legally, you guys are, not you guys, Circle does a great job, I think, of, of showing those disclosures. USDT is an investment fund. Mm-hmm. Um, they own Bitcoin, they own assets, they own lots of things. They're, they're essentially operating, you know, a, a bank. And so I think that there's going to be a real challenge. I, for a number of years, we've said USDT was going to be the black swan. And ended up being Luna instead, and ended up being FTX. So, so USDT um, has done a good job, but that's a whole nother conversation for another day. And Weston Harris, you want to talk about, you know, kind of some of the obvious flaws in their math. <laughs> flaws in the math in, in, in Tether? Yeah. Tether, no. yeah. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> fingers crossed. And that's and that's what it is. We should we should yeah. not be sitting here saying we hope that that they don't you know have a Luna you know type issue where they're because they they print and burn you know all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, but we'll go from there. Um, so right off the bat, uh, the, and I think this is a huge one because uh, all of us, uh, every single one of us, is always looking for investments. We do have more rounds to go. I, there is very few what I would say mature. Uh, companies in, inside of Web3 or inside of crypto that, that aren't going to be in various forms of raises over the next five to 10 years. Um, and so seeing that the crypto industry is the top Canadian fintech investments, um, that's huge uh, because what we need is less of the, hey, I invested in FCX and lost all my money. Uh, hey, I invested in, in this protocol and it turns out it was a rug pull. Like we do need traditional investing uh, to, to happen. And so I think that this is a, a good one and it really kind of showcases uh, that you don't always need an ETF, um, but these are legal companies. And that's the biggest difference is these aren't coin offerings. These are actual cap tables that people were investing in. Corey, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah. So I, I think this is, uh, this is great that you have crypto native companies that are going through the process of due this diligence and being ready to get to the point where they're able to receive, receive funding. Um, and the fact that it's it's been tops for two years in, in, in Canada, I, I think it's just just tremendous for us. You know, we we need more adults in the room and more people accepting that um, professionalism is is important. Um, standards are important. Regulation is important. So this is a this is a great sign of the maturation of yep. the the industry, right? Absolutely. You know, and and Anaris, I, like to me, when you talk about security, you have to have disclosures. <laughs> You have to have somebody that's liable to, to for them to even care about security, because if not, it's it's you know, hey, it's just a project, it's just a side thing. So uh, to me, this is a huge win as well for for security um, and, and compliance across the entire uh, asset class. Yeah, and we we still have obviously ways to go because the traditional VCs are still sitting out for the most part. They're still yep. lukewarm. They still are hesitant. So. There's a feel or like a, a shift in terms of funding overall in, in, in crypto this year. Um, I mean, it's early, but you know, everyone's quite bullish this year again. Um, but I, I, I feel like the traditional VCs are still staying put. To your point, it goes back to the same, you know, what, what can we trust and, and uh, what's compliant, what's not? Are we going to get in trouble? There's too much hair on this. You know, let's focus on what we understand. So we, we, we still have a lot of cleaning up to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is, 
it is a very volatile asset class. <laughs> the most, the most yeah. volatile that I've ever seen. Um, I see you guys trying to read that list. Uh, we'll, we'll get those over in the show notes and post that, post that with the video. Um, so, uh, BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF is in the top, uh, uh, 0.2% of all ETF flows, uh, so far this year. And I think that's huge because, you know, this, these are not, uh, there is no professional, uh, you know, in, investments banker or registered investment advisor telling their clients to do anything more than 1%. Um, we've seen Fidelity come out with, with this knowledge. Everyone's kind of pushing about 1%. So the fact that this is, and we've heard this is, uh, the, the Bitcoin ETFs together are the most successful, um, essentially IPO, if you, if you want to say it, you know, the ETFs were Bitcoin's IPO. Um, that, that's kind of the way that I, I think of it. Um, it was just across many different custodies. Um, and, it, and if you added those all together, it's the most successful IPO of all time. So this is Bitcoin's uh, introduction to traditional capital markets. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, Inaris, you've, you've been watching this for a minute. I, I don't think that you're a, a Bitcoin guy or, or maxi. Um, but how do, how do you feel that this has changed kind of the tone of, of the investment space? A lot more legitimacy, right? I mean, it's 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 a big one. It's a big domino that that is helping everyone downstream in their businesses. But remember, I think we we, we talked about that a couple of months ago, where we the discussion you and I had was that with this ETF and what's coming next, uh, Bitcoin could become sort of the you know the spy for global economy, right? Sort of the the, the index for global economy. Um, as more assets and as it becomes very easy to acquire, buy, hold. So that's, that's the index. So let's, we'll see. Kind of curious your thoughts at the same time. Why, you know, in the anticipation we had a run up, then it got a little soft. Is it just for technical reasons? You know, people were moving in and out or. Well, I think there was there was uh, the first chance for legal liquidity um, for a lot of these longtime holders. <clears throat> so, number one, we we saw about two billion dollars exit from the FTX um, estate. So th- those were um, everyone exiting from that capacity. Then we have um, you know Grayscale. Uh, that, that quite simply, we, we know that, that that entire organization has had some challenges. And so they were exiting quite a bit as well. They actually kept their fees relatively high because uh, they went from, uh, in, they went to spot trading. But before that, they were kind of a, a Bitcoin futures thing. I never really understood the math of how they were doing it. Um, but, you know, they were the largest holder of institutional uh, Bitcoins. And so we saw the flow out of FTX. Uh, and out of grayscale into a variety of the other ones. And I think that's the reason for a lot of the, the ups and downs is is kind of, it's the first time to really legally fill your bags if you're a large financial institution. Um, and now that they have, you know, have the holdings, now it's time, you know, that they can start pushing to their clients and, and starting to resell those. Very interesting. I suppose, you know, the closer we are to Bitcoin being a global index or global economy index, the less volatile it will become, right? Mm-hmm. So early innings. Yeah. And I, I think the the thing to kind of understand, we've talked about these ETFs, you know, at length. And so at this point, I'm, <laughs> I'm not an expert in ETFs, but I, but I, you know, kind of do understand there's a few things. Number one, uh, there's no OTC whatsoever with these. It's, they, they instituted right at the end, a, a concept called cash creation, um, meaning that you have to buy and sell them on the open market. So, um, you can use limit orders, you can do all those kind of things, but 
all the trades are happening in, in, in clear, you know, basically on the market. So no one's like behind the scenes getting discounts or anything else. So that really does help the institutional adoption and keeps it from being, you know, hey, I've got a, a thousand Bitcoins. Let me just sneak those into the ETF. Let me sell these in the back room. So I think that's very helpful for a level playing field and to make sure that we all know what's happening. So that, that also being said, um, these are held in institutional grade. You can't spend them like cash. You can't do them. So it really has turned them into digital gold. Um, so, so those are the few concepts I always like kind of, you know, push people on is, um, you're removing, removing these from the ecosystem of being able to spend them, um, and truly putting them into almost cold storage as, as an ETF. Corey, has this come across your desk at all? Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen this. And, you know, I, I do think that possibly people are just waiting for more news to shake out. As you mentioned, um, there are individuals, institutions that are liquidating at, at this point, as you mentioned, it's the first time that they have the ability to, to get out. Um, so I, I think once some of these liquidation events happen, um, people will start to accumulate and you'll start to see some stability here. Um, but overall, like this is again, great news for us. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so ripple, uh, you know, I, I really do like Ripple's Ripple. Ripple's not done. I, I, I thought Ripple. I thought we were done with Ripple. I thought- no, no, they, they got they got they got a few more. They they won one. They got a few more. And and you know Ripple's goal, I, you know I, whether it's it's kind of known is is they want to IPO. Um, they've always run themselves as a public company. They do all the work, even if they don't get none of the rewards. And so the, one of the reasons they're so comfortable with their lawsuit, by the way, they've spent over $200 million, um, you know, on this lawsuit is, is to kind of say, what is the rules to be able to launch a company that has tokenized shares? Uh, they got a good ruling, um, you know, a ruling in their favor, which, which won against Gensler and the SEC. Uh, and so now it looks like we've got, uh, the judges granted, uh, the SEC's motion ordering Ripple to disclose financial statements from 22 and 23 uh, and contracts related to its its only institutional sales, what they would deem to be professional investors. You know, what were the disclosures? How was it happening? Was it legal? Because that's what they they oversee. Um, I, I think this is interesting, and and my my you know thought around Ripple has grown much more positive over time, and I've seen how they manage this uh, because there's a big delta. This is a very large you know international team. Uh, there there's a lot of international adoption. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time this last year in Europe, uh, and in the large financial institutions uh, that I interacted with, they loved Ripple. They love the thought of it. it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier. You know, it, it speeds everything up and um, it lowers the cost for them. It increases compliance and and it follows the rules. Uh, I think in the United States, it's because they can't operate legally um, or or it's been retroactively kind of pushed against them. They've had that challenge. So, you know, to me, I I think regulation through through, uh, lawsuits is not a good way to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I always say, you know, if they can figure this thing out in the back room, uh, that's what you want to do. And then, and then create clear rules for the rest of us, because there's a dozen projects that I could launch here in the United States and Eris and Corey, I'm sure you guys can do the same thing. And if we do it, we'd love to have tokenized, tokenized shares. But until we have a game book and a playbook that, that follows the rules, you, you just can't touch it because I don't, I, maybe it's just me. I don't have two hundred million dollars to spend on uh, on defending lawsuits. Do you feel like we're we're a couple of years away from those rules in the U.S. or is it coming sooner? I, th- I think we're an administration away. Um, I don't think this current administration is is, and I, I say this as, as nicely as I can, is is capable. Um, of, of managing this. I don't think that you have the right people in the right seats that, that can truly understand this. Um, and I say that from the concept that 
that that Janet Yellen, uh, while has had an amazing career, she doesn't, you know, she she's a, you know, she's part of the old guard. Um, you know, her her loyalties lie to to traditional bankers that are that are fearful of of blockchain based assets and cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, Gary Gensler is is very much looking forward to his appointments uh, upon his his exit from government into most likely a very large institution. Um, and I think that we all understand that that especially in the United States, the the political um, malfeasance uh, mm. is, is, you know, very much up front. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is, is the number one uh, hedge fund trader in the world right now. <clears throat> yeah. And only because she can trade with insider information. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there's really not a playing field. And so that's why I say, I think it's going to take a different administration to come in and say, look, we're not going to do a CDBC. And I think that's what you're hearing from, from Vivek and, and Trump and uh, you know, uh, at RFK. Um, so you have like three of the, the main people that are kind of moving right now is like, we don't want to do a government based CDBC. Um, but, 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 you know, cryptocurrencies and, and regu- regulation around that is, is critically important for them. So I think that's what my point is. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, this was this whole thing with the SEC has been an unfortunate wet blanket on on the industry here um, in, in this country. Um, and this has caused a lot of bad actors to like take hold and cause lots of um, potential business leaders here in the U.S. to take their business elsewhere overseas. Um, where there's just some sanity around regulation. So this this enforcement via um, legal action, you know, has just put such a damper. Um, and, but, but again, as we, we mentioned earlier, the winds seem to be changing Yep, calls for regulation. Hopefully this type of stuff will end so we can get back to business here in the U S. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I always, I, like I said, we're, we're the old guys, uh, that, that talk about this type of stuff, but if we go back to, to web one, you never would have had an Amazon. You never would have had an eBay. You never right. would have had e- e-commerce would not exist today as we know it had this been the tone right. uh, of, of technology. Right. Um, because remember, it was the exact reverse. It was, hey, we're not even going to charge sales tax if you buy mm-hmm. it online. Um, we're we're going to give them all these passes. Like, hey, guys, you're a young industry. Just try not to have too much fraud. And, and, you know, by the way, you can get insurance and you don't have to pay this. So you're going to have an advantage because they wanted to grow that industry. This has been the exact opposite. This is pushing, you know, innovation overseas. Uh, and I think very anti American, uh, type, mm. type adoption in this type That's of stuff. It's a great analogy. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I think, uh, business leaders, you know, we've been so, so rational in our approach to, running businesses, launching businesses here. And we have to realize that the political process is irrational and, you know, use our resources to, to move the political process process forward. Um, and, you know, that means campaign donations and, and otherwise. Um, so I, I think we need to do a much better job at playing the game in Washington, D.C. to prevent this type of stuff from happening. Yeah. And I, it is to me, this, this type of stuff, you know, cryptocurrency and, and blockchain regulation is so much bigger of a deal than most of the things that people are, are fighting. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's yeah. huge ones like immigration and, and taxes and all that other stuff. But I'd say that there are some fights <clears throat> that have been happening since before I've bo- I was born that have not been resolved. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be resolved ever. Um, and the, and this is one of those, those points that like, Hey, this is more job opportunities. This is more liquidity yeah. for the things you own. Like 
fighting this means you're fighting against like tokenized mortgages and, and other mm-hmm. assets being able to be brought on chain. And I don't, and people may say, well, I don't want that. You don't even know how they're managed today. Like right now it's in a, a, a file in some, you know, banks back office and they're gambling, you know, with, with what they're going to, you know, how they're going to manage that and selling it off. Wouldn't you rather know who owns your mortgage That's and right. be able to say, Hey, I have a choice of who's going to hold it. Um, it, and it's not just in some massive tarp thing that's rolled up. Yes. So, um, I think there's a lot more innovation there. Uh, Hawaii drops crypto licensing pilot leaving industry unregulated. So let's be clear. It's, it wasn't regulated to begin with. Um, and Hawaii, you know, state by state regulation while I, I applaud, um, it's, it's like the marijuana industry until you have federal adoption, you're, you're kind of playing games on, on what works, what doesn't work. So I think it's good that there was at least that, that kind of chance and to, to make it happen. Um, Europe is very different. Europe does have, you know, some countries have very clear laws. Uh, but now that you have my car, um, it, it creates kind of adoption that passports around all those. So very similar to, um, you know, like I said, I, I compare this a little bit to the, the marijuana, you know, and for the, the states, for anyone who's international, you don't understand this. Some states say it's legal and you can go walk into a store, buy it, use it. You know, no problems. Uh, but if you go uh, across state lines, you know, now it's a felony. Um, and so I, I think that that's a little bit of, of being able to kind of create that common, um, you know, be able to trade because while it may sound like we'll just do business as a state you're in, that's not the world we live in anymore. Um, and so if I, you know, Corey, I, I forget where you are right now, but if I wanted to say, hey, I want to use, you know, USDC, USDT and pay you, um, if you're in New York City, that's absolutely illegal. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, can't happen, won't happen. Um, what, what's your thoughts? So I, I think, um, you know, this is a good call. I think the important note in this article here is that these companies can still op- operate, right? yep. still operate. Um, but as you said, um, if the, the officials in Hawaii, I'm, I'm making an assumption now, they may assume it's just a waste of time for them to, um, to do this. Like, do they have the expertise? Do they have the resources? Do they want to deal with all the headache? Yeah, yeah, kick it up to the feds, um, let them deal with it, so they can focus on other things for the people of Hawaii. Before we start on our next topic, here's something really exciting. Everyone struggles with these really highly complex, you know, intricate Ethereum names. ENS has a solution that's really game-changing for you. Revolutionizing your digital identity with ENS. Transform long, complex Ethereum name addresses into easy-to-remember names, safely, securely, and uniquely yours. Visit ens.app to get started today, and ENS welcomes you to the new internet. Let's go. Let's go jump into AI. This is Anaris, the the fun stuff that you really like to do. Um, I think this is a fascinating story and just shows how incredibly screwed we are. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone. We just we just did a very large deep dive yesterday. Spent ninety minutes on on ethics and laws around AI, and um, I. The, the concept around deep fakes um, is going to accelerate so fast over the next two years that most of the infrastructure that we have, such as passports, KYC, you know, the things that, that you know, even if we do regulate and legislate them, we've got a big problem with an entire new technology that's coming. So, so blockchain is just trying to get going and saying, look, we'll do KYC, we'll, we'll be OFAC compliant. And now you have over on the other side, AI spinning up and going, you know what, we can... In 10 seconds, we can beat all that, no problem. Um, Anaris, I'm going to start with you. Like, you're as an AI AI guy, like, how how screwed are we? 
Well, so this example, I mean, what it really is, it's the old trick of taking pictures, you know, amplified greatly with an AI tool, right? Meaning like it's a new, not a new invention. People have been doing it for a little while now. You can do it a lot faster. So, so there's that. What, what's creepy is, and, and you've done this, you've seen this yourself when you sign up for a banking service, increasingly you have to show your face and move you around, et cetera. Uh, you know, you can fake that too, right? I mean, you can, there's another story which we'll talk about where an impersonation scan alive would, you know, change your, your face uh, yeah. in a video stream. So what that means is we'll have to keep coming up with additional layers for a user to sign up and to prove who they are. Uh, but if you can change somebody's face in the video, somebody's voice in the video, you know, like we're going to need to rethink a little bit like the entire paradigm. Because who you're talking to is now not necessarily the person, right? Um, yeah. Showing up with your face is no longer enough. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, I don't know, maybe WellCoin is one of the solutions, but it would be something along the lines of like really factually proving your identity. Maybe we should be setting up a and, franchise of little stores to be able to prove, you know, I am, I am who I say I am. And, and biometrics should solve this. Um, you know, and I say should, but, you know, and, and the concept around WorldCoin was like, it's not a flawed concept. It's just a flawed execution. Um, but Corey, you know, part of ENS is, is also the concept of, of digital ID. Um, is that you have multiple layers that have already been verified. And, and you know, I'm sh I, I know a little bit uh, about some of the concepts you guys have thrown out there. But, you know, how does, how does you know, specifically ENS, uh, are you guys thinking about this type of problem around digital ID? Yeah, so, and, and not just specifically within ENS, but in the, in the ecosystem, um, I'm looking for people who want to address this challenge, this AI and digital identity challenge so that, we, we can support them. So FYI, anyone listening who's working on this type of thing, reach out um, so, so, so we can talk. But there, Jay, like, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this, is, this could upend so much. Identity theft is already a problem, right? Doing, doing the identity theft the analog way, and now you moved into the digital way, and now you have AI supporting yeah. um, identity theft. So... Like, I think industry, we're, we're, we're going to have to get ahead of the curve and, and be better about facing these, facing these challenges. Um, but leveraging blockchain and identity tools um, in concert with AI could battle this AI fraud. Um, so yeah. that's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in looking more into. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, a concept that comes out, and I'm not sure exactly the way it's going to be phrased, but, but there's, you know, what is a human? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is a user? And, you know, the other day I was, I was on a live stream and, and it came and something like this popped up and it had to, like the questions like pick all the, the, the pictures with squares, you know, and, and I, I am sitting here trying to do three things at once and I failed it like six times in a row. I'm a human. Like, let's be clear, the bot would have got it right perfect the first time. <laughs> like, so I, I think there's this really flawed approach to how do we state that this person is, you know, living, breathing and, and, you know, flesh and bones and trying to do something on here 
versus there's an AI with some sort of digital signature um, that that we understand what it is. And I know Europe again. I always go back to Europe because you know they don't innovate; they they regulate. Um, and so I you know I, I know they're trying to figure out how to watermark, how to say this is AI generated, this is human generated, and and or is it a no, combination of two with a human being assisted? And Eris, what's your no answers? no the whole watermark is is, is just it's, it's not going to work. It's um, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you do not need to use water services that uh, have a watermark. Uh, you can use, you know, there's there's such a big open source community with AI tools. If I'm if I'm a hacker, if I'm a criminal prospect, uh, I'll just use a service that does not include a watermark. That's it. And those services are extremely capable to do this and so much more. The other point of it is. The bad guys, they have a massive incentive to do just this because, you know, stealing money has never been the issue. It's quite easy to hack and default those. It's moving that money through financial funding that's always been hard, right? Um, yeah. There's so many economical incentives for them to master fakes. Uh, it'll be tough. Uh, we may need to go a little analog before we go digital here uh, on the defensive side. It's a very interesting point. All right, jumping in um, again, more AI issues. Uh, Anaris, you just you just said it, Corey. We just talked about it. Um, I, I think that the biggest threat, not just to you know the, the cryptocurrency industry and Web three, but I think that the the biggest threat right now is 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 AI. Nobody knows how to deal with this. Nobody even understands what what it's capable of. And by the time I think we know what it can do, um, you know, this is this is that fear. Is it too late? And I don't. I, the genie can't be put back in the bottle. But at this point right here, uh, this next one is a Texas firm was essentially using AI uh, to mislead voters, um, you know, with with a Joe Biden AI. So um, let's be clear to to be able to change someone's voice, to be able to change what they're saying, to be able to kind of make them stand into place and do something that they've never been uh, is very, very easy to do at this point. It's almost novel. There's enough video of me on YouTube uh, that somebody could create an entire podcast of, of me with my mannerisms, with my ums and everything that's wrong with me, that would, would be relatively passable of me. And that's today. Two, three years down the road, I don't think that they'll, I think it's going to be very hard to understand what's real and what's not real. Um, and, you know, just as a quick note, before we go to, to the two panelists, uh, you know, my dad, even, even this week sent me a, uh, a, a video and goes, is this real? Um, this is amazing. And it was, uh, a, a video. It was in, it was in HD. It was, uh, Elon Musk on stage. And I only know this because I watched Elon Musk's SpaceX, you know, kind of year end, like, here's what we did and everything else. Unfortunately, the one my dad sent me, um, was Elon talking about how he was giving away his wealth through, uh, through a cryptocurrency drop. And he is, it was Elon's tone. He was very slow in his delivery. He would pause and, and say, well, here's why I'm doing it. And it looked, it was perfectly done. And, you know, it said at the bottom of the screen, you know, all you have to do is scan the QR code to be entered. Um, and again, it wasn't like you could tell, like I only knew, I mean, I would have known watching it, but I only knew because I watched that presentation um, that, that it was 100% fake. But I think that this is coming. And, and so here we have the FCC already getting involved. But, you know, Naris, kind of jumping back to you, is anything or anyone safe? Well, so the tech won't be stopped, right? Because, I mean, they can arrest someone in Texas 
but they will not arrest anyone in Russia, right? So that that's out. So now, if you're old media, you know, TV, Fox, etc., you ironically you will become more trusted source for news, right? If you're YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and all of those companies, it'll be very, very difficult for you to for you to monitor police this. And we've learned from the you know last ten years that they suck at policing, right? Content. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, it will be about that individual understanding that what she or he sees and hears and listens to may not be real. And that's a, that's a scary world. I mean, a lot of it is already not real, but at least we know it's people, not computers. Um, it's scary. I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it'll take us quite a few years to kind of process this as, as a society. Uh, we're yeah. still dealing with the you know, last 10 years and all that nonsense, right? Exactly. And, and you know, I think part of this and, and you know, Corey, I don't know if you can help fill in the gaps, but one of the things that I've realized about doing, doing business globally is like in the United, in the United States, you cannot scam anyone anywhere in the world. This is illegal, whether you're, you're doing it to your neighbor or you're doing it across the world, like you cannot, you know, commit crimes. In some countries, North Korea and and others that you would be shocked by, as long as you're not committing it within within the borders of the country, they don't care. Um, it is a free enterprise of which they you know they will the, the the nation will collect their taxes and scamming people outside of your country. That's just what your business does. Um, and so when you kind of create that incentive and you know to to say hey, um, scamming's okay. It's a it's a, a legit business. Uh, you know, we, we really need to be concerned. And I think that that's, you know, you, everyone hears about, you know, certain countries, you know, for, for certain scams. And I don't want to mention any of them because I've, I've gotten to deal business in most of those countries. And most of the people are fabulous business people, um, that really want to, to do good in the world, but that doesn't change the fact that the country allows this to happen. You know, mm-hmm. Corey, you do business globally. Yeah. Um, so you understand that concept. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have you guys seen the new series with Mariana Van Zeller called Traffic. It's on National Geographic, where she goes around the world and uh, does this amazing investigative journalism in places where three of us would be scared to go, but she shows up and interviews the criminal element, right? Um, And comes back alive every time. But it's a... a Until she doesn't. Oh, Lord. Uh, But great series to watch to just see what's happening out there in the world. And here in the U.S., as you said, Che, like we we expect fraud to be prosecuted. We we expect when we're engaging in commerce that it's going to be um, on on the up and up. But not everywhere in the world has a rule of law, and yeah. like the appreciation for rule of law, like here in the West. So we we have to like not be gullible, and it starts with with education. So education system here in the U.S., you know, no one was taught financial literacy. Yeah. Um, you're starting to see in a few schools right now. No one was taught digital literacy, how to engage in the new world of the internet. You're starting to see it trickle here and there. Um, yep. it, we're, we're going to have to start training the next population to be able to identify threats and to identify what persons, what entities, what institutions can be trusted. Right. Um, so I, I like th- that. That's the only hope from now to start to prepare people to enter into a world where. You have these these deep fakes, and and there is to to your point on institutions that are kind of losing trust now. 
the traditional media, we're going to have to find a way to be able to trust them again um, for 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 news and and otherwise, you know. But but this is a um, a scary world if the genie's out the bottle. Yeah, Tr- trust is going to be one of those those you know integral things that I don't think that any of us understand. And I like your point about education, but I'd like to point out I was just talking to somebody today that that is the um, he's taking over the job as as CIO for a, a multi billion dollar company, and he said he just got done with with his audit of basically all you know. There's a, a company called No Before, and what they do is they send a bunch of fake emails uh, to everyone in your staff, and they report back who who got who clicked on the phishing and, and spear phishing emails to see you know who did who who was right, who was wrong, and is there anyone that needs more training? Then they you know they'd rather you click on the wrong one with them, and then they can do appropriate training. Um, this is a massive company. The the department that failed the the fake phishing scams um, clicked on 11 percent of them was the IT department. The people that were most highly trained to have to deal with this were also the ones that were clicking through and exposing data uh, from there. So I, I think it, it truly is. It's getting that good and that scary that, that education is going to be one of those things that we're going to have to start young. And we're gonna have to start- yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's the hacking, the fraud piece. That's relatively the e- easier part of, of, of the crime. It's what you do with the money. That's typically been the harder part, the laundering. And so what you said, like this, this sort of testing and, and um, red hatting your team, typically in that scenario, that's, uh, that's typically what happens to me. People make mistakes, they click on links, download software. More often than not, the company fails. Yep, 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 yep. So this is the uh, the one that you were... You were uh, alluding to an heiress. And so um, this is, this is I, I will say that we've dealt with this um, already. Uh, so I've, I own a bunch of, bunch of companies. Uh, one of those is a title, uh, title company. And we generally say, you know, hey, you know, don't, we will never send you emails. Um, it's only going to be through a secure site that you're going to see wire information. And it even says, you will, we will always call you. We will always call you or you will always need to call us to confirm that wire information. Do not wire outside of this. Um, they got an email uh, and a phone call. Um, uh, and it sounded, you know, the, the person wasn't trying to imitate anyone on our team, uh, but somebody had hacked their the client's email and kind of saw this coming through and, and, and created, you know, a, a very good AI version that sounded, sounded American, sounded like a, a young female and, and was able to get $100,000. Circle of trust is what you'll need. Because, I mean, look at some at a company like IBM. It's going to be tough uh, size of a, of a company, but even there, uh, you kind of need a little bit of a circle of trust. I get I get them quite a lot. I get the you know texts and messages from my accounting saying this is probably not you because this is not how you would ask me for money. Right? We all get that. Uh, so, and that's because we, we understand each other. We've been working for so long together. Um, yeah, and you that going back to analog. I mean, you'll be like basing your what's real, what's not on on, on analog things. Yeah. So so this is uh, this concept right now that they're talking about. You know, which is audio jacking, which means that it's. Um, I think on, on Zoom calls and everything else, we're kind of used to, like, sometimes there's a little bit of a delay. You know, right now, nearest you're having a little bit of a, a silenting problem, and we all just kind of work through that. But now we have to, like, really think, like, 
is there a man in the middle attack going? Um, so Anaris, are you able to kind of walk us through um, what's happening here? And, and, you know, basically even how should people think about how to prevent this from them? Well, it seems that they injected, they injected a different audio into a call. And so, you know, both participants, A and B, are real people working in a real company. Um, but, uh, you know, the, there's an injection of an override, uh, I guess, of the audio um, where, um, you know, some information is shared unknowingly between these two people. Yeah. And so, and so what you're seeing right here, and we'll just kind of walk through this diagram because I think it's really showcases what's what's happening so you got uh person a and person b and then in the middle there's there's an ai that that is able to replicate tone able to replicate phrases and and there's already knowing what what kind of things it's listening for to do so person a says you know hey it was great to see you at the conference yesterday and they're passing that right through not not important and it establishes trust coming right back uh me too by the way uh could you give me your venmo account uh so i can share that bill with lunch for you Sounds standard. And, and now in, in my mind, the AI is going, okay, we, we've got a target. We've got a, a reason to enable ourselves and it's going to pass that right back for now the person says, Hey, here's my Venmo accounts. Now you're seeing the AI inject. Give me a second. It thinks, th- it thinks through, you know, what it, what it needs to do. Cause it's going to need a second to generate it. It's going to uh, say, give me a second. Let me write it. You know, let me write that down. So this is an entire conversation that it's, it's now bridged between or, or created a gap between them and, and is now speaking for each party stating, you know, here's, here's the fake Venmo that they want you to have. Hold on one second. I'm confirming that I wrote it down. They, they enable say, Hey, got it. I'll, I'll send it to you today. Um, and they pass it right back and forth. So the conversation can kill, can still continue and no one would potentially know that there was like this little like, oh, it was just a tweak. It was a change of a few things in here uh, from the tone. Um, and, and, you know, the conversation continued about 20 other things. And then when the Venmo doesn't arrive, you go, what happened? And I don't think anybody would know. So to me, this is terrifyingly scary. Um, I don't even know how you would even know you're exposed to this because I don't even understand. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Beyond Enterprises, the ultimate 360-degree partner for companies ready to embrace the power of blockchain in their business strategies. Beyond Enterprises stands out as a beacon of expertise with a blockchain-agnostic approach that has seen successful projects on Ethereum, EOS, and ARC. Guided by blockchain thought leaders and fueled by inspired advisors, the team has played a pivotal role in over 40 successful ventures, spanning token generation events, security token offerings, exchanges, and more. From healthcare to travel, finance, and beyond, Beyond Enterprises has left a massive mark on diverse industries. Elevate your business strategy today with pioneers of blockchain integrations, Beyond Enterprises, trusted 360 partner. So all, all, all the more reason to be terrified and, and you know, hide, Great. <laughs> hide under your bed. Thanks, thanks. So are, are services like Signal and, and their voice service or Telegram and their voice service, are, are, are those types of services um, encrypted and protected so that this type of thing doesn't happen? That's a good question. Yeah, you, would need, you would need to hack uh, the actual uh, computer or laptop or phone that the user has in order to do this. Not Zoom per se, not Signal. Hmm. So, and it would need to be on both sides. 
So both victims need to have a, you know, their workstation hacked. So this is, so this is where this is getting scary is there's a lot of us running, you know, I, I think that most people are off analog phones at this point. Um, but if, if you're talking about the most vulnerable, it is those with analog phones. It is those that, that do not have technology. Cause I think you're right. You know, Corey, like signal is encrypted, you know, end to end, you would know if somebody was, was, you know, jacking in. Um, but as we've seen, our own NSA does a great job of, yeah. of, you know, kind of replicating calls and, and, and doing splitters with, with traditional, you know, analog, uh, devices. So I, I, I do wonder, um, are the cell phones even safe? Uh, because those, those are, you know, without, so I think this is an encryption question I have in Eris as I'm just thinking through this is how do you make sure your communications from zoom to whatever the case is to your phone? Like, you know, I, I, I have malware bytes. I've got all sorts of things, but now my phone <laughs> needs mm-hmm. antivirus and spyware. iPhone that, that, that would be tough to pull off on an iPhone on an Android. And definitely doable. I mean, malware is prevalent and very popular on Androids. In this particular case here, that would be tough to pull off on an iPhone. Very tough. I mean, you would need maybe state actors to pull this off. Okay. And not your kind of conventional, regular male criminal. But, but this would, you would only need one end to do this. So if somebody had an Android phone that, that was exposed, both people are now at risk. Very true. Absolutely. Okay. Very, very true. Uh, so it would be a client-side hack. It's it's not signal that you're hacking. You're not decrypting. What you're doing is you put malware on an Android, and that's manipulating part of the conversation. I, I think we need to have a whole other conversation related to this mm-hmm. um, at, at a later date. Um, but fabulous. So let's see, bringing it in uh, towards the close, uh, AI, you know, greats. Um, coming back to to Corey, absolutely, you know, super, super excited. You know, let's, I just want to end with this one because I think it's so important. Um, we've kind of gone through all these stories. You know, we, we've we've spent some time. We started with with the ENS talk and, and I want to kind of end with the ENS talk because I think it's the most critically important thing that we're all um, sharing and facing right now, which is identity. And, and disclosures and, and trust. And so, you know, Corey, I, one of the things I just want to, you know, ask, you know, politely for and push is, is to find ways to integrate security technology and, and authentication technologies into what you're doing. Because suddenly this, this, you know, web one was read, you know, web two was right. Web three is, is, is own. And, and the fact that we now have ownership and that, and that in, to me, that includes our identities. That's our persona. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that if, if I feel like this podcast does anything well today is that it scares the CEO of mm-hmm. ENS to say, we need more validation and verification on KYC on who is who, because, um, you know, the web two scams, you know, we don't want them, you know, we already have plenty of our own yeah. <laughs> in web three. Yeah. So what, what did you take away from all this today? Yeah, we, we have to do so much more work um, and and think through the user journey. So we've been talking a lot about people's experiences with Web3 products and services and, and what it looks like. Um, make it simple, safer, secure. But we need to lean into the safety and the secure um, portion of that. Um, build with the end user in mind and build with, with security because not everyone is going to be um, able to, you know, secure their own keys. Not everyone is going to be consistent with 
you know, not clicking on the wrong links, you're going to have these um, error um, experiences. So, you know, I, I'm safety and security of the ENS community and ecosystem um, is very important to us. And we're doing a lot of work to actually protect the community from scams. This week, we've seen a huge uptick, actually, after the big news about GoDaddy of new domains being registered. And so probably in the next couple of weeks, you're going to start to see some scams. And we're taking steps to, to directly address that. Um, but I would like to be more proactive and other builders as well um, who are building with ENS and Web3 in general. Let's be much more proactive about the security piece. I love it. I love it. Anaris, any advice uh, for them to, to really start staring at? Yeah, security by design. It's a competitive advantage. People trust businesses that take uh, their security uh, seriously. Um, you know, I, I choose services that I can rely on. That I know that uh, you know. Maybe I'm biased. I'm a security guy, but I think generally speaking, both businesses tend to win out in the long run. I love that. I love that, uh, Corey. Where can people find you if they if they want to know more, or learn more, or just uh, follow you on uh, some of your favorite uh, social media? platforms all right all right well actually since we're web3 natives here let's take a look at farcaster and warpcast i got it i got it you got it you're on it i got it i got it and i actually got it i actually got my initials i actually was able to get at jvs uh so i was i was early enough uh to make that happen nice nice so yeah let's hang out on on farcaster warpcast and corey.eth um and ens domains also ens.eth on Farcaster. Come hang out. Let's chat. Let's share ideas. Um, great to be here today. To speak with you in Anaris. Thank you. Anaris, where can we hunt you down? I'm old school, so LinkedIn. My name is not hard to find. There's not many of me. I love it, guys. Uh, thank you for much, so much for the time. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, really appreciate the time, as always. Uh, Why Wheels? Another one in the bag. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.